I seem to keep learning in my life, and our text today reminds me again that it takes more than just physical ears to hear what's happening around us. Uh, I remember, oh, 25 years ago or more, that I lived for a couple of years with basically, you know, a freight train track in front of my apartment. And then there were two more crossings. You know, there was one right there, and then there were two more crossings within no distance at all. And I moved into that apartment in August, and it was really hot. And I remember as I tried to sleep on the first couple of nights, just laying there thinking, how am I ever going to get to sleep with you know, these hot nights, no air conditioning, windows open, not only are the flashing lights from that train crossing coming in the window, but so are the, the clang, clang, clang when the gate would come down. And then, uh, worst of all, was that the train uh, would make, as it approached each crossing, that horn-blowing, bell-ringing noise that they do, which if you ever look at it, it was like two long blasts, one short and another long, and I literally heard it this morning when I opened my windows first thing, and I don't have a train track anywhere near me. I've got trolleys and they don't do that. But. And I just remember thinking, how am I ever gonna sleep again? Day and night that train would come by, but then I, I stopped noticing it. I didn't even notice that I wasn't noticing. I just started sleeping and just didn't pay any attention to it. And if you, if you live near the elevated portion of, of the subway here, you, you, know, you might have tuned that out already. If you live near trolley tracks, you might tune that out. You can stop hearing pretty easily. And the wives say, yeah, amen, right? Sometimes. <laughs> I resemble that as well. What I learned back then and what I continue to learn is really relevant for Matthew 13. As we look again today at this parable, and today, you know, last week we spent time understanding how to understand parables with, with this text. Today we're going to look at the parable that Jesus tells us here about the sower and the seeds. And he explains why it is that some people don't hear him. They have perfectly well-functioning ears, but they don't hear And he calls us to listen. And some people hear him and some people don't, even as he spreads very widely the same message of hope to all. It remains hidden for some. So as we come to this passage, Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9, and then we'll skip down to 18 through 23. As we come to this passage, I ask you, do you hear the hope that Jesus offers? And I encourage you to listen carefully as we read God's holy, inspired, life-giving word. Matthew 13 Verse 1, that day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea and large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables saying, behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road and birds came and ate them up. Others fell in the rocky places 
where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. Others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Skip down to verse 18, where Jesus explains, saying, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom the seed was sown in the rocky places. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And yet he has no firm root in himself, but it's only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. The one on whom the seed sown was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. This is God's word. Lord, would you give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Give us a heart that is open to what you have to say. Oh Lord, may these words be more than ink on paper, pixels on a screen, sound waves hitting our eardrums. Lord, may your word be to us a seed. May our hearts be good soil. And may what happens grow into a harvest of goodness in our lives and for the world around us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. It does take more than ears to hear what's happening. I, I do keep learning that lesson, not just tuning out you know, unimportant background noises, uh, like those railroad crossings, but learning to tune in important sounds like hearing my wife's voice when she is speaking and not just going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I'm probably not alone in that one. Just a guess. Pretty sure I heard an amen earlier. <laughs> Sounding like Charlie Brown's teacher. You remember that, right? But to tune that in, and it's, you know, if you're, if you're engaged in something, that actually takes some effort. Learn to pay attention to uh, crying in the night, calling out when the kids were little, or when they're just right there by your bedside staring at you while you're asleep, right? And you get that wake up feeling and like, whoa. Okay, they don't have a knife. All right. I wasn't really worried about that. But just to, to tune in, to pay 
attention. Uh, to, to watch as you're speaking with someone their body language, to hear more than just the literal words coming out of someone's mouth, to understand what someone really means. And the reality is that you have to pay attention. And, and you will pay attention to what's important to you. And you'll learn to tune in. There's hope. Again, stereotyping. I know some women struggle with this too, but it seems like a guy thing. There is hope that as we value our spouses, we'll pay attention and get better. Because what's important to you, you pay attention to. This message of hope that Jesus has here as he tells these parables, as he speaks these stories, this message of hope is hidden in plain sight. It's not very hard to find. It does take a little bit of work. As we read these parables over the next several weeks, Lord willing, I pray that is what we grow in our ability to do is pay attention to what Jesus is actually saying, to understand what he means. And that is possible for us. To really hear what Jesus says, you only have to open your heart a little bit and leave some space in there and open up to hear what he has to say. In other words, to consider what he's saying important enough to really pay attention. And so last week, we kind of looked at a paradigm, so to speak, of how to understand all the parables, a way of, of, of approaching them. And I encourage you, if you weren't here, go back, listen to that message, watch it, whatever. Um, you're not going to need it today, so feel free to keep right here listening. Um, because we'll approach this passage using those tools as we dig into the parable of the sower and the seeds, the first step is to listen and look. We're going to hit them briefly because we spent some time here last week, but just to hit the highlights, listen and look. In other words, clarify the communication that's right there. Listen to what's there. The content and the context as we talked about before. That, that what, what is Jesus actually saying? What are the words on the paper and it would help as well you know, to look at the parallel passages. Very often the, the parables appear in, in multiple Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke especially. Occasionally, very rarely also in John. But read all of them. Take some time to, to just compare them, to see what he's saying, and to look for especially what was surprising to them. What would stand out to those original hearers and as we read and talked about it a bit last week, the, the farmer back then would go out to sow, which is just another way of saying, you know, putting his seeds out, hoping for a harvest in the future. To put those seeds out, the farmer back then would carry a bag slung across his shoulder, most likely, or her shoulder, and have a bunch of seeds in there and would go along, you know, kind of scattering the seed, not just like craziness, right? Most likely in some sort of orderly fashion, sort of a line or whatever. And they would walk through their plot of land and they would just throw the seeds and throw the seeds. And 
And as they went along, right, they would find places where someone during the whole uh, off-season had been walking. People made a path. You know, their trespassing rules were not like ours. People would walk through other people's property. And, and it would pack down the soil. And so they would throw some seeds there. That's not surprising. They were in a land that had a fair amount of rocks that would be in occasional places. They didn't have, you know, big old equipment to dig up those rocks. And so they would work around about, hey, why not put the seed around those places? Maybe you get some crops that will pop up. They would walk along throwing that seed and there'd be patches where maybe they knew it, maybe they didn't. There would be other things that would pop up, weeds and thorns. Those things would pop up. And then there would be the parts where there was just really good soil. And maybe they would be familiar with those areas. Maybe they could tell from experience they would know, but they would throw the seed down. And, and all this in view with the mind of, you know, I want to get a crop. I'm planting one seed, but I hope to gain much more. And in those days, much more meant usually somewhere between five and 15 times what they put down. Jesus tells the story and says, this seed that he's talking about, when it goes down in the good soil, it brings forth at least that much. In fact, at least twice as much as what you would expect. Sometimes even three times, four times. A whole lot. As he said, 30, 60, 100 times. That's what's most likely most surprising is this great yield this abundant harvest from this seed. So you get that clarity on what he's talking about, and you begin to think about it, that the communication, what, what the original hearer said, what Jesus meant, right? Then, that's the point when you then try to then begin to line up what he says with some deeper reality that he's pointing toward, that he's intending us to get. And in this case, you line up and... and and the focus is the results of hearing or not hearing. It's hard not to see that Jesus intends to make a point about how we hear what God says. As we read in verse 9 of Matthew 13, he says, He who has ears, let him hear. As he says in verse 18, as he begins to explain the parable, hear then the parable of the sower. And then if you notice, in every verse except verse 21, he says, hear. Verse 19, anyone who hears the word. Verse 20, and the one in whom the seed was sown in rocky places is the man who hears the word. Verse 21 carries on from verse 20. And then verse 22 says, the seed among the thorns is the man who hears the word. Verse 23, the one on the good soil is the man who hears the word. It's about hearing the word. It doesn't take a lot of effort to get that out, right? You just read. This is okay. He's talking about hearing the word. And what he's saying about that is that if there's any problem in hearing the word, it's most likely not some sort of physical defect. His point is, it's not your ears, it's your heart. When you have trouble hearing the word of God, it's your heart 
not your ears. Highly unlikely it's your intellectual understanding. It's your heart. He says that in verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. And he doesn't mention the heart again and the other surfaces that the seed hits. But I think it's a very safe uh, assumption. It's a very safe estimation to say that's what he's talking about. Right? In fact, as he says it was sown in the heart, it, it, even as he says that, it's, it's he doesn't mean it's actually sown in the heart because it was the hard soil, the packed down soil. And he's pointing to the fact that all of those surfaces indicate different types of hearts. And it's really only the good soil that the seed goes down into to any measure. And it's only the good soil that has any amount of real fruit. The crops come up and stay up. The road, the seed hits it, and it just lays on top of that hard, packed down surface. It doesn't penetrate it. It's very easy. We'll just wait for the siren. If that kept going on, we would be able to tune it out. Okay. So the hard, packed down soil, the seed hits it. It doesn't sink into it. So it's not like the seed was sown actually in the heart and got snatched away. It doesn't penetrate the heart. He says something similar. On the rocky places. Verse 20, the one on whom the seed was sown in the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. It is no firm root in himself. It's only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises from the word, immediately it falls away. The other seed is sown among the thorns. Here's the word, the worry of the world, deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. The fruit or the lack thereof is a sign of what's going on inside your heart. Just as the same seed on various surfaces may yield a crop or not, so also the word of God on various hearts yields fruit or not. That's the comparison Jesus intends to make. That the seed on various surfaces yields a crop or not is analogous to, it's an analogy for, it's a picture of the word of God on various hearts yielding fruit or not, having results or not. And the way he talks about it here is that when there's no fruit, it's usually because of one of three things. You know, I've always had this pattern, you know, if you've ever heard of someone speak about the world, the flesh, and the devil, right? That's the way I think of it, but for some reason, I just noticed this recently, it seems to come up in the Bible and in, uh, in 
other older commentaries where they speak of it as the devil, the flesh, and the world. And if you look at what Jesus is saying here, that's actually the picture he's presenting, that the three soils are the three surfaces, actually, because it doesn't mention soil. The three surfaces represent and show what happens if a heart is not open to the word, how the enemy, first, the devil, comes along and he can actively work to deceive and destroy in, in subtle and not so subtle ways. So when the seed is snatched by the devil, it's effectively saying, as one commentator put it, in one ear and out the other, right? The stuff, you know, to use another train, you know, the, the lights, lights are on, you know, the gates are down, lights are on, there's no train coming, right? You don't, you don't pay attention to it. It's just maybe the sound waves hit your ear. And maybe you think about individual words, but, but it doesn't mean anything. You're not really open to hearing what it has to say. The person is not actually losing anything they have. The seed never really enters. Their heart is too hard. That's the devil comes along and is able to snatch that away. In effect, saying, you know, he's got them busy on other things. He's got them thinking of other things. He's got them convinced that Jesus is not worth listening to, that the Bible is fairy tales or, or whatever other lie the devil has planted in the hearts of people or speaks through circumstances around them. The devil has them in that place. The second one is the, is the flesh. Among the rocks is a picture of the flesh and its response when the heart is not open. The flesh is, uh, the, probably the easiest way to understand it is to say that brokenness inside of human beings that leads us to, to disordered emotions, that leads us to inappropriate desires, to, to do what we don't want to do and and not do the good that we want to do. It leads us to poor decisions, to lack of action, uh, so much more. And, and this seed is pictured as getting a good start. So there's something about the message that we hear enough of that it brings about some response in us that we're happy. It's like, wow, that would be so good. That's so interesting. And maybe, maybe implicitly in that is this, this, this uh, unstated thing of, you know, somewhere in there, I don't really believe it's true, but hey, I'm feeling good about it right now. You know, maybe I had a full breakfast or maybe I just had a lot of sugar and so I'm really up and everything seems great and wonderful right now. Maybe I'm that kind of person that responds to things that sound pretty good with a lot of initial enthusiasm. All very much superficial surface response. Because that seed doesn't actually then penetrate. It says, Jesus says, it is temporary. It seemed to take root. Outwardly, seems like it in the moment, in the beginning, but it never really entered the soil. It never really entered the heart. It was an emotional response, not deep and transforming. And so as soon as difficulties arise, right? As soon as challenges come, as soon as someone says, oh, all that whole Bible thing is fairy tales. It's not true. What? You don't believe in evolution? What are you foolish? You know, and this, this response says, oh, wow, yeah. Maybe you're right. 
And it's the end of the story. They fall away. And they lose what they seemed to have. But what never really entered the heart. The third one is, you've got the devil, the flesh, now the world. That's the thorns. The brokenness around us in society that resists the word of God and denies his claims upon our life. That's the world. The world, in this case, is around, and as the seed gets somewhat of a start, begins growing, but then the, the things of the world crowd in. And rather than fight through those challenges, rather than resist those pressures, those temptations, even to good things, this seed caves in. And as, as one commentator put it, essentially, this is, this is living a double life, right? It's at the same time saying, I really like the stuff about Jesus, and I, and I think what it says is really, it sounds pretty good. It seems to line up with reality. You know what? And I really like fill in the blank. I really like making a ton of money. I really like my status and position. I really like whatever it is. And it, you can't bring those things together. The heart is not open. It seems to be. It kind of grasps a little bit, but it lacks that conviction, that trust to say, I'm going to really turn over to this way that Jesus talks about. I'm hearing the word and I'm hearing the world and I'm trying to do both. And that never works very long. You can't serve two masters, Jesus says. You know, love one and hate the other or hate one and love the other. In other words, it's not going to work out. And more often than not, the world wins. This person loses what they seem to have. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Jesus is telling us this picture of what happens in the heart or why he's not heard on these various surfaces. And how the world, the flesh, and the devil conspire against the word of God penetrating. And he sees it in his own ministry as he begins to speak and teach. And there are people resisting him for various reasons, attributing his works to Satan when he's doing good. And you, you could find all these things out there. And, and maybe this, you've got in your mind, you know, thinking especially of, of people you know who respond in one way or another. As you read the Gospels, people respond one way or another. Does that initial initial speaking of the word that Jesus does, either in this day or back in that day, right? And I, that's, a, that's, that's appropriate, right? That's, that's so, so super relevant. Think about someone's initial response to Jesus and the word of God. But that's not the only thing in view here. In fact, I think what Jesus is saying is that to, to examine ourselves and say, you know what, a am I cultivating good soil in my heart? Am, am I open to what it's saying? Because the, the reality is we could find ourselves in any of these circumstances. 
Some of you might be there right now. This is not just the beginning of the walk with Jesus. It's not just the first time you hear the good news kind of thing. This is an ongoing, foundational thing Jesus is saying that if you want to continue to hear Him, if you want to hear Him well, in fact, if you want to grow and love Him more, if you want to find victory over your sin, if you want to be able to resist the temptations of the world, if you want victory over the evil one, the place to go is to your heart and ask the Lord to open it. Say, Lord, I need Your Word to penetrate deep in here and to bear fruit in my life. Would you do that work in me? Because the reality is those things can, can strike us for a season. They can afflict us for a time. Or it could be our condition and we don't know it. So to examine ourselves. Martin Luther, you know, he, he kept the Reformation going. He didn't just start the Reformation in the early 1500s. He kept it going in part because he was concerned about how the transformation was happening within the church at large, how they were beginning to understand that it's not, it's not a bunch of works that we do, but it's by the grace of God and His love freely offered to us, that great transforming truth that He uncovered, recovered. Right? He kept that reformation going because He kept going back to foundational things. To hear the Word of God. He didn't stop Preaching the simple gospel. In fact, as he, uh, as he wrote in, in his words, quote, yet once again, as he yet once again says, sharing his learnings from the book of Galatians, the reason he gave for, for that being necessary was to resist the attempts of the world, the flesh, and the devil to take the truth of, of God's grace from God's people. So this is especially relevant for us as teachers, maybe as parents, as leaders, as people sharing the gospel with others, that we need to keep coming back to the truth, the word of God. That it is foundational. And we, we sometimes resist that, because, and I do this too, because I, I don't want to just tell you, go read your Bible and everything will be wonderful, right? I don't want that to be a work that you do that then you check off and say, I'm good with God. Because that's not, it's, it's the heart. So maybe the thing to say is, read the Word with your heart ready. Prepare your heart. Which leads to the, the, the third point here. And after we've lined up Results are, are, of hearing is what he's about. But the word, the heart, and the fruit. Jesus then says, do we live out hearing and fruitfulness? That we live out the hearing and fruitfulness. You know, there's, um, I, I, was, I was thinking about this. He's talking about soils in a way, but wouldn't it be great, you know, if there was just like a sample kit you could get, you know, you just go up to somebody, maybe it's like a detector, an app on your phone, you just point at somebody like, do, 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 you know, well, oh, that is a good soil, you know, do, do, do. maybe you could turn it on yourself, do, 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 you know, with, with, uh, with soil in the world, they'll sometimes take a, a big core sample, and they get like a cylinder, some hard substance, somehow stick it in the ground, 
and are able to withdraw, you know, whatever amount, and they look at it and go, oh, here's, you know, here's this sandy part, here's, you know, here's the little rocks, uh, here's, here's some, some deeper, bigger rocks, oh, here's the good topsoil, you know, this is the good soil, you know, that, that's, that would be great, wouldn't it be, if, you know, you just walk up to people and maybe, you know, just jab something in and pull out and go, okay, yeah, you know, your heart's ready. And you just be able, you know, like in your own heart or something, right? Because we're talking about the heart. How do you see what's in the heart? Well, the whole point Jesus is making is that your heart needs to be open so that you hear and what? Now you know something? So you hear and now can say and impress people with your Bible knowledge? So that you hear and are fruitful. So in fact, we don't need to to dig deep down. We don't need to look and assess other people and pour out, pull out some core. We just, we look at the fruit. You know, the real simple test for are you hearing what Jesus is actually saying is to say to yourself, what is the fruit? What fruit is there in my life that I'm listening? That I'm hearing what Jesus says? And, and you could go a couple directions with this. I want you to be careful two ways. One, don't be too easy on yourself. Compare yourself with the worst kind of people or, you know, some, some stereotype, some straw man of, of, you know, those people who say they're Christians and aren't. Whatever that looks like for you, don't be too easy on yourself and say, oh, I'm not like them, Right? You drift into self-righteousness, condemning others to build yourself up. Don't mistake working really hard for fruit. Because the fruit we're talking about is the fruit of the Spirit. That our hearts are only opened as God pours out His Spirit upon us. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Notice how different that is from go to church, say my prayers, read my Bible, give lots of money, be a good person. Those are good things. Don't hear me saying those are bad things, right? But if you want to diagnose, is your heart open? Are you hearing the word? Look for that fruit of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness. Look for a desire that says, even says, I want to be better at those things. And I see the failure. And that's the second thing I want you to avoid is don't be too harsh. Don't be too easy, but don't, don't be harsh on yourself. Because even the desire to have fruit, even the willingness to look within your heart and to look at your life honestly, that's fruit. Because the people outside, the people who are the, 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 the path, the people who are choked by the world, the, the people who are uh, the quick, joyful 
responsive, fade away, they're, they're not going to look at their heart. They're not, they're not around long enough. They don't care enough. So if you actually care what's going on in your heart and you're willing to examine your life and see if there's fruit, that's fruit. In other words, pagans don't care about that. That's a sign that God's working, that your heart is open. It's an encouragement. And in fact, if, if your heart is open in that way, to avoid being too easy and too hard, I would encourage you to ask someone who knows you well, someone you love and respect in a nice, safe place and time just to sit down and say, hey, maybe even you give them a little warning, like, hey, could we talk? I want to grow in the Lord. I want to hear the Lord. And I'm wondering... Am I really bearing fruit? And say, hey, could we talk about that? Could you think about it, pray about it? And maybe, you know, such and such a time we could sit down and, and you could share with me what you're thinking about. that. Maybe if you've already thought about yourself, you say, I see this and I see that. And I'm like, is that selfish? And, you know, there's some people who just beat, beat yourselves up because your motives aren't completely pure and perfect. You know what? Pagans don't care about that either, right? So discernment comes as you get with other people. This is, by the way, one of the reasons that the elders of this church will interview people before they come into membership. If they're interested in membership, we interview them. And part of it is, yeah, occasionally we will find someone who, who is trusting, thinks they're trusting the Lord, who, who thinks they're going to heaven, and we say, yeah, you know what? We're concerned. We see this and this and this and this. You don't seem to get what Jesus did or whatever it is, right? That's, that's very rare. More often, almost all the time, super high percentage. We are so encouraged in our own walk with Jesus to say, you know what, this, this person's loving the Lord. Look at the fruit in their lives. This is, like, this is like a 10-year-old kid and they're like praying for other people. You know, I'm convicted by their knowledge of the scriptures and their, their, their heart for the Lord. It's almost as if Jesus said, you know, the, the little children shall reach them. You know, unless your faith is like a little child. You know, that, that's so encouraging. Even at a young age, we see that kind of fruit. Even just to hear from, from folks who are a little further along in their walk. Just to hear, you know what? They've dealt with some real serious junk. Wars. Brokennesses in relationships illnesses and they pray and they trust the Lord that's super encouraging that's, that's fruit that's tremendous fruit and so then that, that gets to put a fine point on it essentially you know how, how are you going to respond then you hear that Maybe you sit down with somebody or even are you even willing to do that? Or are you just going to give the shrug, which is the road answer? Are you going to give the, the surfacey response, which is the, the rocks? Are you going to last just a short time or are you going to be the soil? Is your heart going to be this place that's really open to Jesus? Because if you're open to Jesus, I'm telling you, his word was intended as a seed to go into that soil and to bring about fruit. And if you know him, it will be there. 
And it might not be what you expect. You might have a broken view of what fruit looks like. How many times, you know, have I heard someone say, when you, when you say, hey, I really appreciate you doing X and Y, like, nah, that's nothing. It's like, nothing. I hate doing that, you know? I'm no good at that. And you're like, you're amazing at it. Well, that's nothing. More often than not, that's a sign of God's work and of fruit in their life. And the, and the response ought to be, praise the Lord, isn't he good? Praise the Lord, you're so compassionate and kind. God has blessed you in that way. Oh, you're a good teacher. And you open up the scriptures in a way that I understand it. Or you just come out and you do those behind the scenes things, week in and week out. Oh, it's nothing. Yes, it's something. It's the sign of the fruit of the Spirit at work in you. What are you going to do with that? Praise God. That's what you do with it. Praise God for that affirmation, for that, because that's what His Word is intended to do, to bring about that fruit. And if you have that, if you have that seed within you, if your heart is open, there's going to be fruit. And it's going to be a cause for all of us to praise. And you know what's going to happen? As you, as you demonstrate that fruit, as you begin to embrace that, and you more and more just dive into the fruit that's in your life, as you more and more praise the Lord for that, that hope, that's hope, that's overflowing hope, that's not just within you, but it's going to bubble over the rest of us. And so when you come for a member interview and the elders get to hear it, or when you're just serving, just serving in some little way, and other people are alongside of you, and we see you cleaning the building, and five o'clock in the afternoon one day, and you're like, oh, I'm just cleaning, you know, it's like, God bless you, brother. I'm not doing that. I'm doing the other thing. That's so hopeful. So maybe I would add one other thing to that, that that hope here in God's word, that you would open your hearts to see it there. And as you begin to do that, put this in your mind that, you know what? As I read these parables, as I study these parables, as we together in these next uh, several weeks, Lord willing, we go through these parables. There's going to be stuff in here. It's like, oh, wow, that's, that's, that reminds me so much of brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. And we begin to just kind of affirm one another in that. We begin to see with a, with a godly humility and praise to him that, you know what, he's at work in my life. He's at work in your life. And just the hope, brothers and sisters, the hope that's going to come from that. transforming, life-giving, a harvest 30, 60, 100 times. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for the hope that you have hidden in these parables, these stories. I pray that you would open our eyes, our ears, our hearts as we read through them, as we study them. Even in this one here, Lord, you give us a willingness to be open to other people speaking the truth in our lives. We take that risk, Lord. We'd be desiring to persevere in your word, to grow in your word, to, to have our hearts open even wider, that we'd open them a little bit more and allow someone else to speak. And Lord, I pray that... Nine times out of ten at least, that, that, that would lead to something so encouraging and life-giving and hopeful. 
that it just begins to just bounce around and grow. And the hope that we have just multiplies 30, 60, 100 times. We ask you to do that, Lord, in the, in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.